Hey, welcome everybody who's watching online. Sure, I'm glad you're with us. I don't know whether you realize this or not, but um, right now, the only people that we have in our brains and our minds that we've been praying for are you. There, there's nobody in this auditorium. This whole thing that we're doing is simply for those of you that are a part of our family that watch online. And that just tells you how much we think about you, how much we care for you. And I'm just glad that you're, you're with us. If you want to take your Bibles, uh, you can turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and you can put your finger in there, and then you can turn to Philippians chapter 4 and put your finger in there also, okay? But before I uh, get into the message, I, I do want to reiterate uh, something Pastor Brandon shared a little bit ago. This past weekend was our Christmas uh, weekend, and then, you know, we had our Christmas Eve services here on Thursday, and I just want you to know, it was really a great season. We hadn't, we didn't know what to expect in the midst of all of this COVID stuff. We, we didn't really know how was this all going to work on Christmas weekend, which is usually really special here, and it was special, but different, and uh, Pastor Brandon mentioned all of those that made decisions, and these are copies of all of the people, their names and the decision that they made for Jesus Christ. Many surrendered their life over to Jesus for the very first time. They became followers of Christ, disciples of Christ. Some wanted to be baptized, others wanted to become members, but it was really, really special. And I've had these all week long and I've enjoyed looking at them and praying for those that made decisions. Maybe, maybe your name's in here. Pastor Joel also um, had a copy of all of these, and he's been praying for all of you. Pastor Bobby, I know, has had a copy of these, and we've just been spending a lot of time thinking about all of you and, and praying for you. These are from last weekend. But I'll tell you that Christmas Eve here was... Um, was incredible. Since we've opened up our doors and we've said to people, hey, we want you to come, and the pastors here and the elders here want to love you and care for you in person, we want to pray for you in person, we want to worship the Lord in person, they were the largest gatherings we've had. In fact, uh, uh, Christmas Eve at three o'clock here, there were people up in the balconies and in the mezzanines, we had to add chairs. It was really it was really something, and whole families sat together, and it was really great. Maybe you were a part of it, maybe you weren't, but uh, the Lord is really doing some great things here, and if you live close by and you've never come, I want to invite you to, to this place. It's really a, it's a building that is used in some very special ways. I'd love to meet you in, in person. But let's get into a, a, our message, okay? Uh, the whole series is titled Joy in the Faith. And uh, really, it's our prayer and hope that as we've gone through the book of Philippians, not every verse, but we've looked at little vignettes within the whole book of Philippians, that it has been something that has added to the joy in your faith. God wants you to have joy in your faith and because God wants you to have joy in your faith, we want you to have joy in your faith. And so hopefully these messages have been a blessing to you. I, I, think, I think today's is gonna be really great, super practical, great way to end the year. This is the last weekend of the year. 
And I think it's a great way to end next weekend, the first weekend of the year. I'm also speaking, and I'll wrap up the whole series. And so please, please join us. So Paul said this in, in, in 2 Timothy. He said, all scripture, all scripture, every bit of it, from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through the old, you know, Malachi and the Old Testament, those 39 books, all of that scripture. Then you get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, all the way through the book of Revelation, all scripture, every bit of scripture is inspired by God. That means it's God breathed, okay? God supernaturally through his Holy Spirit came upon each of the writers of scripture and they wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. Now, they wrote it in their own personalities and all of that, but all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That scripture goes on and says, it, that's the scriptures, it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, God uses the scriptures to prepare and equip his people. And if you know Christ, you're, you're, you're his people, you're one of his children, to do every good work. That's, uh, that, that's some powerful words, isn't it? I mean, those are some weighty words. It tells us why this book is so important to us as followers of Christ. This just isn't something we carry around and it looks nice and we hold it up every now and then. No, it's, th this right here is what God uses in our lives in so many different ways. And it's, uh, it's why around here at Big Valley Grace, everything we do revolves around the scriptures, everything. You can go to our children's ministries and they're all about the scriptures. You can go to our youth ministries and they're all about the scriptures. Our men's ministries, all about the scriptures. Our women's ministries, all about the scriptures. Our celebrate recovery ministries are all about the scriptures. Our adult ministries are all about the scriptures. Everything here at Big Valley Grace revolves around the scriptures. And that's why, you know, the first thing I said to you basically was take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy and Philippians. Because this is the only thing that, that matters, is this. And so we want to do our best to teach it in a way that encourages you, maybe convicts you, challenges you, whatever it might be, okay? And so uh, we've been in this series, as I said, through the book of Philippians, and we take a little bit of this book, okay? This book that was inspired by God, we take a little bit of it each weekend here at Big Valley Grace, and we unpack it, and we look at it, and we allow God to use it in our lives. So with all this said, I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading at verse 10, okay? God fills this man by the name of Paul. Paul was in a prison in a town called uh, Rome, 
and he's writing to a group of people who lived in a city called Philippi, and he says this. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. Okay, Paul had heard that these people who lived in Philippi had a concern for him. Remember, he's in prison. Imagine you're in prison and maybe they got a letter, maybe Paul got a letter from these people, maybe somebody showed up in person, but Paul knew that these Christians, this church in Philippi, was concerned about him. He goes on, I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulties. Verse 15. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, that, that's another city, you sent, uh, more, sent me help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you now. Rather, I just want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me through Epaphroditus, and that's just a person. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna stop right there, okay? So once again, I want you to understand, Paul is in Rome. The guy that wrote this is in Rome in a really crummy prison. He's, he's in prison simply because he's a Christian, basically. And he's writing to a group of Christ followers who live in a town called Philippians, uh, uh, Philippi. And that's why the book is called Philippians, okay? So, so here we go. I want you to think about, as I kind of kick this off, I want you to think about all the different relationships that you have, okay? You got a relationship with your spouse, right, if you're married. You've got a relationship with the Lord. You got a relationship with your kids. Some of you have a relationship with your grandkids. You've got a relationship with your parents. You have a relationship with your grandparents. You've got a relationship with your friends and a relationship with people that you work with. You've got a relationship with those that live in your neighborhood. You have a relationship with those that maybe you do hobbies with, maybe you play golf with, or you're in a book club with, or you play tennis with. You've got relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Big Valley Grace. Maybe you're involved in our men's or our women's ministries or our CR ministries. You have relationships with people. But there's one relationship that I'll bet none of you thought of. And I talked about this before. In fact, I talk about it a lot. And it's a, a really weird one, but it's, a, it's critical. And that's your money. Now, 
You might not like to think that you and your money have a relationship, but you do. And like any relationship, if you get it wrong, it can really be messy. In fact, you get your relationship with your money wrong, and it can mess up your life. It can mess up your marriage. It can mess up your family. It can mess up your business. It's unbelievable what happens if you get the relationship with your money wrong, which is one of the reasons why God has so much to say about you and your money, you and your wealth. Because God knows if you goof up that relationship, wow, you're gonna goof up a lot of things uh, in, in your life. But if you get it right, wow. It's amazing how awesome life is. If you get it right, listen to me, you'll experience great joy in the faith. If you and your wallet have a good relationship with one another, you got a healthy biblical relationship. Man, incredible joy. Someone once said this, money is like a wild stallion, okay? And if you don't tame it, it'll take you on a ride for the rest of your life. And I don't know who said that, but I read it this week and I went, man, you know what? That, that's pretty good. Money is like a wild stallion. And if you don't tame it, it'll take you on a ride. And sometimes for the rest of your life. And that ride usually isn't good. And once again, because God knew this, this truth, he gave us a bunch of really, really great wisdom in, in the Bible that can help us have a good relationship with the wild stallion, if you will, which again, will bring you great joy in the faith. So this is what I want you to do now. I want you to look at Philippians chapter four, verse 19. That's where I wanna begin, okay? The Bible says, my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is one of the great promises that you find in scripture. All throughout these two leather bound covers, you find promises from God to his people. And this is one of them. God promises that he'll meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But I also want you to know this is also one of the most misunderstood promises in all of the Bible. Because some of you are thinking right now, hey, that verse isn't true, Pastor Rick. God hasn't met all my needs. And so that promise isn't true. I've got some needs and, and God just hasn't, hasn't met them. So there's no way that that's true. Look, here's the deal. There's a reason why. There's a reason why some of your needs or maybe all of your needs aren't being met. And that's because you haven't followed God's instructions in verses 10 through 18, which are the how-tos of the whole promise. 
You see, we have a, a role to play in this thing called life. And let me show you what I'm talking about. The great prophet Isaiah said this, and you're gonna get this here in a minute. You'll understand this. The great prophet said, he, right, that's Jesus, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Okay? God promises, Christian, that he'll keep you in perfect peace. That's a promise. But you have a role to play, right? Do you see it? He'll keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. In other words, if you're not trusting in Jesus, if you don't turn your thoughts often to Jesus, well, the, 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 the promise this isn't gonna happen. If, if the only time you ever turn your thoughts to the Lord is on you know, a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, when you watch you know, the internet broadcast or maybe you're actually physically in the church building, don't expect that God's gonna keep you in perfect peace. But he does say he'll keep you in perfect peace if you really trust him and you're turning your thoughts to him often. You're often going to the Lord. You're often in his word. You're often talking to him in prayer. You're often serving him someplace, maybe in the church or in the community or whatever it might be. Psalms 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, we tend to go right to the bottom. Well, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, he will if you delight yourself in him. If, if, if he is the thing that you've got your life focused on, if his, if his will, which is recorded in his word, if this right here is what you, you, you want in your life is to live out your faith the way God wants you to live out your faith. You delight in him, guess what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. And one of the things that I have found in my 40 years of walking with the Lord is the more you delight yourself in the Lord, you know what? Your desires become his desires. It's weird. It's just kind of the way it goes. So I want us to go back to verse 19, okay? God promises, right, to meet all of your needs, but you have a role to play, all right? What is that? What is your role? What, what do you have to do to make the promise in verse 19 a reality? Okay, and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you three things, real simple. They're, they're super simple. And I've teased these out from our text, okay? And I want you to really think about these things because I think they'll make a difference in your life, all right? So the first one is this. God will meet your needs when you have a concern for others. He'll meet your needs when you have a, a real, genuine um, 
concern for the people that God places in your sphere of influence. I want you to look at verse 10 of our text. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you just had no opportunity to show it. And I have really thought about this a lot. What Paul is saying here. You see, the people at this church cared deeply about Paul. They cared so much that they sent him money for the work that he was doing. They sent him money so that he would have food to eat as he went from town to town. They sent him money so he could, you know, purchase clothes or, you know, new shoes or whatever it is he needed to go walk from place to place. These were people who cared about this man and they cared about what he was doing. In other words, they didn't keep the wild stallion in their pocket. They tamed it. They opened up their wallet and they gave it away. Now, as I thought about this, I began to wonder, why, why do people give? Why do people take their wallets, open it up, and, and give to a, a church? You, you all did that just a little while ago, right? You, you either texted or you, you, know, you did it online or maybe you mailed it in. Why do people do that? Well, I'm going to give you a, a, a few reasons why people give. Okay, number one, some people give because they must Okay, what motivates them is legalism. They feel like they have to. It's an attitude that says, if I don't give something to God, you know, he, he won't love me as much, or, or worse yet, if I don't give, maybe I won't even get into heaven. And unfortunately, I know some pastors that use this to um, motivate their people to, to give. Really sad. Number two, some people give because they think they'll get. What motivates them to pull out their wallets is selfishness. They figure, if I give, you know, God a hundred bucks, he'll give me a, a thousand in return. The only reason they give is because of what they think God is gonna, you know, give back to them. And by the way, you see a bunch of these kinds of guys on TV. You know, you send me 10 bucks and they'll call it seed money, right? And, uh, and they'll tell you that God will return it tenfold to you. Number three, some people give because they have, okay? <laughs> what motivates them sometimes or oftentimes is guilt. They look at their house and they look at the things that they've stocked their house with. They, they look at the cars they own, the clothes they have, the jewelry they have. They look at the vacations that they go on. And then they look at the rest of the world and they feel guilty about what they have. And so they give. Number four, some people give because of last week. And what motivates them is habit. 
They give because they gave last week, and they gave the week before that, and they gave the week before that, and then they gave the week before that. In other words, they simply give because they've always given. And if you're a Christian, I want you to listen really, really carefully because we have to be, especially if you've been a Christian a long time, you gotta be really careful of this one. When you first began to give, it was, you know, it was an act of worship. I remember when I first began to take my wallet out of my back pocket and give it away. I remember when I began to tame the wild stallion. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't easy at first, man. I, I thought about all the stuff I could do with that money. The new clothes I could buy with that money, the new jeans I could buy with that money, the new car I might be able to buy with that money. I thought about the new, you know, you know, stuff I could buy with that money. But I knew it was something the Lord wanted me to do. I knew it was an important part of my journey with Christ. And so, man, I took the wild stallion out and I began to tame it. And then there came this moment when, man, it was exciting. I looked forward to the moment where all of a sudden we, we would take our offering and these little baskets would go by and I'd put my offering in there during a song and it was just an incredible moment for me. It was special for me. But after, you know, 40 years of doing that, guess what? It can easily become a habit. Or, well, you know, this is what I do. I did it last week. I can do it this week. And, you know, and God doesn't want it just to become a habit with us. He wants that to be a, a, a significant moment in our, in our lives. So why should you give? What, what, what should be your motivation for giving? Okay, and I wrote this down for you to, to see. I think there's a lot of motivations, but I think the Christians in Philippi teach us that one, not the only one, but one of the great motivators for giving is concern. You give because you care about maybe other people. You care about your city. You care about your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let me tell you something, one of the reasons Aaron and I give is because we have a great concern for others. We're concerned about the children of our church. We, we, we don't have any children in the church, okay? They're all older. But we're concerned about all of the families, young families in our church, and we got tons of them. We're concerned about them, and so we give. We want to make sure that our children's ministries is, is, is fantastic and they have everything they need to help these young boys and girls understand the deep things of the Lord, at least as much as they can. We're concerned about the youth of our church. We care about the teenagers of our church, my wife and I, and so you know what? Man, we, we give. We can't keep the wild stallion in our pocket because we want to touch the lives of teenagers in our church and in our community. We're concerned about the men of our church. We're concerned about the women of our church. Look, 
the reason why we have a men's ministry and a women's ministry is because people have, have tamed the wild stallion. They've pulled it out of their pocket and they've had a, a concern for men and women. And, and that's the only reason why we can do it. We're concerned about the marriages of our church. And so you know what? We give. We can't have a premarital class. We can't have marriage counseling. We can't do any of that unless a whole bunch of people here have a concern about marriages. We're, we're concerned about the homeless in our city. And so we give because a part of our giving goes to our Good Sam ministry and it goes to our missions ministry. And, and, and guess what? Our missions ministry, our reach ministry, we partner with the gospel mission. We partner with organizations that are out there making a difference with, with the homeless that are out there. And because we are concerned and we care about homeless folk, we give. We're concerned about the missionaries of our church. We have a whole bunch of missionaries, literally, that are all over the globe and in our city. And because we care about them, because we're concerned about them, we gotta pull our wallet out. And we gotta, we gotta, we gotta give. Because it's the only way they, they make it. We're concerned about reaching people with the good news. My wife and I care deeply about the lost in our community. And because of that, we give. Now, I'm gonna tell you something that probably a lot of you might disagree with, but I believe it. You can't really say you care about people or that you really love others and have a concern for others if you're not willing to part with some of your shekels. Maybe you can make an argument. I, 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 you know, I just don't believe it. I think if you really care about marriages and young people and, and children and you care about men and women and you, and, and, and you care about missionaries, you care about reaching the lost, if you truly care, man, at that moment when we invite you online to, to give, You gotta be reaching for, you gotta have your phones ready to go because you know the shekels that you're giving are gonna have an incredible impact on, on stuff. Let, 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 me, let me go down a little side road for a moment. Have you ever wondered what happens to the money here, the wild stallion that, that's collected here at Big Valley Grace? Well, here's what happens. You just text Gabe and this weekend, people will give in here. Some of it will show up in the mail. And every year, every June, we present a budget to our church family. And we will hopefully receive in offerings $6.25 million is what the people of Big Valley Grace will give. And here's where it goes. These are the different places where the money goes. Our elders have thought this through. They've thought about it and prayed about it. And each of these little areas 
is basically a way where we go, we care about adults. And so 6% of that's gonna go to adult ministries. We care deeply and have a concern for family and students. And so 11% will go there. We, we have this facility here that we need to take care of. You don't even wanna know what the air conditioning bill is or the heating bill is here. You don't wanna know how much toilet paper you use when you're on this campus. It costs quite a bit to keep up this campus that God has given us. We have all of these areas. 5% of it's gonna go to our recovery ministries. That's where, when you just text your giving just a minute ago, this is where it goes. Basically, it's going to care for people. And for some of you, you know what? I hope, I hope when I'm done, the Holy Spirit convicts some of you and you gotta pick your phone back up or you gotta do something and go, you know what? We could give a whole lot more. And some of you can. Some of you could say, you know what? They have a deficit there. You heard Pastor Brandon talk about that. And this might be the moment for you to say, you know what, and I'm glad to be a part of a church that has a concern for children and youth and men and women and marriages and all these things, and I'm gonna take my phone and I'm gonna give a, a greater gift. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get my church caught back up. But there's a second thing. The second thing you gotta do uh, if, if you really want that promise uh, in, in verse 19 to be a reality, and that's this. God will meet your needs when you're content with what you do have, okay? Yes, number one, he'll meet your needs when you really care about others, when you have a genuine concern for others, but he'll also meet, but you gotta make sure that you, you're content with what you do have. Look at verse 11 real quick, okay? Verse 11 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Look, there's no doubt that God wants his people to be generous. He wants them to, to, to give. He wants all of us to give. He wants all of us to tame the wild stallion and have a concern for others and give, right? Be generous. But God also wants us to be okay with what we have. God wants his people to be okay with what they have. And contentment basically is simply the ability to be okay with whatever you have, wherever you have it. Because when you're not content with what you have, I want you to know something. It'll goof up the wild stallion. It'll goof up your back pocket. But when you are content, when you're okay with what God has given you, man, it's weird how God begins to take care of you in ways that maybe you never even knew. So what do you have to do to be content? Well, Paul said, for I have learned to be content. <laughs> it's not something that just comes naturally to us. We have our flesh we have to deal with, right? The old nature, the Adamic nature, whatever, whatever word you want to put on it. And so it really is something that all of us have to learn because um, it, 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 it just doesn't come natural. Contentment doesn't come natural to any of us. And so Paul says, I've had to learn to do it. And I think it's something that you spend a lifetime learning. 
But if you want God to meet your needs, yes, you have to care about others, but you also have to be content with what you do have. You have to be okay with what you, 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 you do have. And let, let me go to number three here as I land the plane, all right? Number three, God will meet your needs when you're a generous giver. Look at verse 15. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again and again when I was in need. Yes, you gotta care about others, and that's what motivates you to give, I think. Yes, you gotta be content, but let me tell you something. I think I, I split these apart, right? Having to care for others and, and being generous, because I think, I think there's something in this that if you want your needs met, be generous with what you have. Be generous with the wild stallion. And by the way, I want you to know that this group of people here in Philippi, they weren't wealthy people. These were, I, I, I think it's safe to say that the overwhelming majority of them were very poor. And so you might be thinking, well, they probably had a lot of money and they were able to give all the time. No, no, they didn't have a lot of money. They just had a deep love and care for Paul. They were concerned for him. I, they were content with what they had, but they were also very generous with what they had. Jesus said this, he says, it's more blessed, blessed to give than it is to receive. There, there's, there's something that happens within us when, when, when we give, when we're generous. You might say there's more joy in the faith when you give. There, there, there's something that happens Someone once said, God's riches are not an invitation to luxury. They're an opportunity for generosity. When God blesses you with shekels, when God blesses you with the wild stallion, that's not necessarily an invitation to luxury. But I know it's an opportunity for you to be more generous. Every dollar bill that God gives you is an opportunity to be generous. Money isn't just an invitation to luxury. See, I believe that you were created to give. I believe that you were made to give. When you look at some of the descriptions about God, you can't miss the fact that he was a giver. The most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. He had so much concern for you that he gave his one and only son. He gave, you see that? He had a concern, a love for you. And what that did was he gave his one and only son, sent him here basically to die a horrific death on a cross for you. He gave his son's life 
for you. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the, the generous gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God so loved you, he so cared about you that he gave the gift of his son. All throughout the scriptures, we see this God who is generous, who, who's, who's, who's a giving God. Let me wrap it up with this illustration. Um, it's a story of this mama bird. She's in her nest, and she's got these little baby birds. Okay, you kind of got the picture. And I want you to think about it. Birds have feet. And they can walk. In fact, we've probably all seen a bird on the ground kind of hopping, kind of walking. Birds got feet, they, they can walk. Birds have claws, they got, you know, talons, right? Which means they, they, they can hold on to, to the branches. But birds were meant to fly. They're at their best when they're up in the air flying. That's what they were created to do. Yes, they can walk around. Yeah, they can grip onto a branch. But that mama knows, I gotta push my baby out of the nest so it flies because that's what they're created to do. And beloved, you're at your best when you take the wild stallion out of your pocket and you give it away. You're generous with it because you're meant to give. God made you to give. So everybody look at verse 19. One last time. Okay, look at verse 19. God says, he'll meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is a promise for God, from God. And he'll do it if you have concern for others, if you have a genuine concern for other people, you really do care about other people. He'll do it if you're really content with what you have. And he'll do it if you're generous and what he's given you. you. You can bank on this, that he'll meet all your needs. I don't know how he'll do it. Most of the time, you know what he does? He uses the church family. He'll use, he'll use this family to be a blessing to you, but it's still God doing it. So, I'm gonna pray for you. And uh, I'm glad you joined us. Hopefully I'll see you next weekend, the first weekend of the new year. Be a great way to kick off the year, kick off a whole new year, okay? Come actually down here if you live in the Modesto area and join us. If not, I'm gonna watch, uh, I'll, uh, we'll watch, uh, you can watch this on, online next week, okay? Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for your word. And I would ask God that you would somehow use it in all of our lives. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Blessings, everybody.